Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 11th, 2008, where we're talking about the manifested sons of God. And um, this next thing that we're going to talk about is the third stage of the return of Christ. Now, we've already talked about the first two. Now, we're going to talk about the third stage, which is the physical reappearance of the Messiah. And in this... We're going to quote for some New Age sources. This is uh, quoting. It says, Behold the dawning of the New Age. Sons and daughters of God, the rising sun will shine on the face of the earth and shall move civilization into the golden age of peace and light. The masculine Piscean age, of the age of Pisces, is fading away from earth's orbit. The feminine Aquarian age, this is the feminine goddess age, is bright and promising upon the horizon of civilization's new day. The day star appears in the eastern sky. This is, this is in regard to their... They're trying to link Jesus Christ with this. Signs and wonders are upon the land. The quiet wind is blowing across the oceans of the earth. The water is reflecting the, second, the brilliance of the second coming of the Messiah. Okay, and again, we've got several religions waiting for their second coming of their Messiah of their predicted Messiah. So it's not just Christianity. The Antichrist is going to fulfill the bill for everything. The hour of glory is splitting the heavens with the sound of the ethereal thunder as the trumpets of angels and archangels are heralding the good news of the universe. The heavens are brilliant with the golden suns arising. The new messenger rides upon his, his magnificent pure white steed. What does that imply? Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse. The diamond is his insignia. I didn't know that. The head of God is his bridle. Okay. The wisdom of the ages is in his nostrils. Interesting. And the dawning of Aquarius is upon us. So hopefully we got that all cleared up. <laughs> yeah, I feel like going into a meditative trance at this point. Uh, so, some more interesting notes in regard for the preparation of Godhood. There's another New Age quote. We are now witnessing the day of the signs of wonders that precede the opening of the new dispensation. Remember, they know, they, what are they emphasizing here? Signs and wonders. You know? And that's how the Antichrist is going to primarily deceive, is through signs and wonders. Another theme that runs throughout New Age writing is, are we moving to new levels? Or is our, we are moving to new levels. This terminology is used in how they define spirituality. We move from one level of anointing to another. Are you troubled when you hear things like, there are many little Christs here tonight, like we just had quoted? Well, you certainly should be. When you have a bit of understanding of the source of the manifest sons of God teaching, you realize how dangerous it is to get away from the authority of Scripture. And that's what I keep emphasizing over and over and over again. This is true for all false religions. When you get away from the authority of the Word of God, which is the King James Bible, then you're going to get into serious trouble instantly. The third stage of Christ's return, according to the New Agers, comes after the first two have been felt and enacted. The third stage according... Now, we've already went over the first two in, in the previous teaching here. The third stage according to the same authors relates to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, however, is defined as an act of intelligence. It is believed that, the, that in stage 3, the transition will be complete. We will move into an area of spirit control and spirit manifestation. There will be complete religious freedom. What a bunch of lies that is. 
The only religious freedom is if you want to do it their way, ultimately. How do I know that? Well, just ask the Christians that are beheaded for their witness and for them not following the Antichrist and that refuse to take the mark. Just ask them if they had complete religious freedom. There will be no preaching of fire, hell, and damnation, that's for sure. The New Age book that um, we've just, these quotes that we were just quoting, this New Age book was written in 1982. How frightening to open up Christianity Today, the edition of February 1990, okay, February 19, 1990, and read an article in Christianity Today entitled, Evangelical Mega Shift. And this article had the same type of thinking as these New Age quotes we just read. Words are very important. How they are defined forms the basis of our thinking. In this article, important words were being redefined. Now this is these Christianity Today Evangelical Mega Shift article. They define, they re, they're redefining biblical terms. Hell is being redefined as the idea of God sending people to hell is now being rejected. No one would be in hell who would rather be in heaven. So it's just free will choice after we die. No. You better, you better get that thing settled before you die. It was suggested that this is a common assumption of many Christians in thoroughly biblical churches. Then there's the concept of wrath. Wrath is more like a loving encouragement or rebuke to help us or to keep us in the fold. Sin. Under the new model of sin, sin is dealt with primarily... In the community of faith, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, old model evangelicals stress that the judicial condemnation of sin must first be removed by deliberate acceptance of the payment Christ has made on our behalf. Okay, so under this new model, it's just like everything's being watered down, is the emphasis that they're trying to make here. Okay? Everything is being modeled, watered down. This article lists other words that have undergone a transformation, which are judge, the words judge, faith, church. Naturally, all of this restructuring of our doctrines would change the way we live out our faith. Obviously. I mean, if, if, if they redefine all the terms in the Bible, then we're going to redefine the way that we live out our faith, right? Isn't that a natural byproduct? Um, okay, then... Going back to this quote from this from this evangelical mega shift article, it said, "Old model visions viewed all of the heathen as lost until they heard the gospel and made the right faith decision." Christians, missionaries in particular, are to feel the burden of millions going to hell. They should go and save any who can be reached within the good news. That's what they said. The old model. Uh, what they call evangelicals did. Now, the new model evangelicals tend to appeal instead to the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus' program is to teach all nations. This means enrolling them and baptizing any who will want to learn and, and receive training from them. Forming them into church families where the Spirit will then teach them all that Jesus taught. It's not emphasizing salvation anymore. It's just emphasizing teaching and baptism. And then eventually they'll get it right. You know, that's kind of like the way that they're that they're approaching this. The departure from the Word of God is widespread and has permeated the church on a worldwide, unprecedented scale. As long as people are having good experiences and they still feel good, they are satisfied. 
They leave the study of the Bible to their pastors. Many of the pastors feed off what the latest TV evangelist or popular conference speaker says, even to the point of re-preaching their messages. One wonders how the church has come to this blinding deception where there is such a mixture of profane and holy, truth and gross error. The word of God has become adulterated. The door has been left wide open to mysticism, both both Eastern and Western. Mysticism is experience-driven. New Age books reach the top of Christian uh, bestseller books charts. Isn't that unbelievable? New Age books, like probably like Conversations with God and these types of things, they reach the top of Christian bestsellers book charts. And my people love to have it so, as the Bible says. There is an abject absence absence of discernment. Oh man, that's what we all this is what we're all talking about today. Where is the discernment? If the Holy Spirit is living inside these people, where is the discernment that the Holy Spirit would provide? I, I just I don't see it. The word Hosea regarding Israel can also be said about this church. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. For thou shalt be a priest, so shall be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. That's a pretty stern warning. Hosea 4.6 Even when the scriptures are used, they are used allegorically, with little regard for truth. Allegorization allegorizing the scripture has actually become a refuge for many preachers from the truth. They can say they are using the word of God, throw out, throw out a few scriptures to make their and try to throw out a few scriptures to make their ministry legitimate. They are also as the false teachers in Paul's day who were placing their own interpretations on Christian truth by reading into those interpretations human ideas. Again, we find ourselves back to Gnosticism. The Gnostics of today, just like the early Gnostics, call themselves Christians. But they are following another gospel and leading people to another Christ. A word of caution, if you have not been in the living word of God, which is the King James Bible, praying according to the word of God, satisfied totally with the living word of God, you are a candidate for deception. Now, we're just going to end here on a brief article on entitled, The Truth About the Manifestation of the Sons of God, which is where we're going to go to this these Romans verses, which is one of their proof texts for trying to justify this whole dominionist sons of God take the world thing. So we're going to start Romans 8.19. Romans 8.19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. At first glance at this portion of divinely inspired word of God would imply that we are waiting for the sons of God to be manifested. This scripture and others are often used to prove a doctrine that has been made, that has made its resurgence among certain groups recently. So the object of this treaty is to bring understanding to the elect of God lest they be deceived. Firstly, let us consider when this manifestation is to take place and refute those who imply that it is already occurring or has occurred. Romans 8.20 says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected us the same hope. So all of creation has been subjected to the vanity of man. Through the fall of Adam, because of man's vanity, the laws of nature are being transgressed. The rivers, the oceans, polluted, rainforests, etc. The earth is scarred by mining, poisoned by the products of refining metals and minerals, ozone layers thinning, uh, 
certain species are, are extinct, the wetlands are being drained, all these types of things. Protest groups like Greenpeace are frequently in the news trying to stop the carnage taking place on this planet. But the following, all of their, but following all of this, there is a promised hope of the restoration of all things by the Almighty Sovereign, who has been allowed to run its course until the appointed end. See, Jesus is going to come back and fix this stuff. That's why I don't, you know, I don't want him going out and and, and and raping the environment and doing these types of things. But the bottom line about that is, is so much of the time. The people that are doing that are the evil, wicked elite that have the money to go out there and, and, and destroy the earth and to defile humanity's creation. They're the ones that are behind it. What they're doing is they're creating this problem so that they can give us the solution to fix it. Oh, we've got global warming. So now we've got to all go and do this and this and this. And we've got to sacrifice. And we, when they've got technology right now that they're totally suppressing, well, we wouldn't have to burn one ounce of fossil fuel anymore. If they would just, if they would just let a lot of this, um, either the free energy or the magnetic energy, there's all kind of ways that, that you can um, power things. Solar, wind, it's being suppressed. Or it's, or it's so cost prohibitive at this point, and that's by design too, that you can't implement it. It's all being suppressed, mostly in that case, by big oil, because there's so much money to lose. And if you're dependent on big oil to put gas in your car, then they can control you. And then you can pollute the environment through that particular means. Whereas solar, wind, and a lot of these others produce no pollution. But it's being suppressed. This is just one little example. I'm giving you this as an example. Okay, They're creating the problem, and then they give us the solution. The Hegelian dialectic. So that's how they're doing work in that. Romans 8.21 Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. All humanity and other beings will be delivered from this bondage of corruption under which we now live. This is the reason that in the final analysis God will deliver us from this condition. The aging process, the decay of the human... Now this is if you're born again Christian. okay? If, if you're appointed to wrath and you're a devil... Unfortunately, their destiny is the lake of fire, ultimately. Okay? The aging process, the decay of the human body, which leads to our demise, will be abolished. The final enemy, death, will be swallowed up in victory. All of humanity is already dead in God's eyes, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet we are, we are like dying men that hold on tenaciously with every breath until our last, uh, until our last breath. Human life is a never-ending funeral procession. It's true. From the, from the day we're born... We're dying. Okay? Cradle to grave. This funeral procession many are totally aware of until the loss of a loved one occurs. But up but up ahead, freedom awaits if you're a born-again Christian. Freedom from the curse of the law of sin and death. There is a time coming when the children of God will be free. Therein lies great hope for the believer. When all corruption is ended and our struggle through this short tribulation will be rewarded with everlasting glory. Okay, so continuing on, Romans 8.22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Pain and suffering that all of us are aware of right now to this present moment. How many have endured the grief of a loss of relatives or cried or prayed in anguish at the terminally ill at their bedside? How many have watched their children dying for want of food and third world famine? famines, or others who have watched while their possessions have been destroyed because of floods or earthquakes or wars. All of us groaning, believer and unbeliever, waiting and wishing that things will be different, that tomorrow will be brighter, as if 
all of us know something is better up ahead. But again, this is a very conditional better up ahead, okay? And it, and it has to do with, you know, are you saved? Are you born again, okay? What is your blessed hope? Romans 8.23 And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. The believer cries within to be with the Lord, waiting for this glorious adoption. The day we are restored to perfection through the redemption of this body, when this mortal shall put on immortality in the day of the resurrection, like as Christ our Savior, the glorious forerunner, risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of, hand of the Father, so we await the time of our resurrection, our redemption, and our return to the Father who gave us being. When all creation, heaven and earth, will witness the manifestation of the sons of the living God. This is our glorious future hope and inheritance. Romans 8, 24 and 25 for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? In other words, hope, which also implies faith, if, you, if it's real in front of you, it's already manifested. Hope is something that, that, is, that is in the future, but it requires faith. Okay, But if we hope for that which we see not, which would imply faith, then... Do we, with patience, wait for it? And again, that implies faith. If we think that we have this hope now, we can already be seen as the manifested sons of God. Then why, why should we continue hoping for the resurrection? So, in other words, if we're already the manifested sons of God, why should we continue hoping for the resurrection? For then there is no future hope of the resurrection. And this is the common theme of this manifested sons of God. They're already here. They're already taking things back. And it's only going to get more and more aggressive as they become truly manifested on this earth. What need is there of a Savior? Because they are Christ. They're saying they're Christ. They're saying that they're going to do this and that and be our providers and be our protection and all these other things and usurp the authority that only belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so then Romans, if we go back to Romans 18.15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Remember, we're like adopted into the family of God. As the Bible, what's that? Romans 8.15. So, the spirit of adoption, particularly, the Bible also describes it in Romans as if you're a Gentile, that you're a wild olive branch grafted in, you know, to the olive tree. So it says, you, you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit, which, which lives inside you as a born-again believer, bears witness with your spirit, your reborn spirit, that we are the children of God. This is kind of an earmark of a believer. Okay, one of the many. One of the many. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we might also be glorified together. I bet you the, the manifest of sons of God says they're not going to undergo any persecution. They're the overcomers who won't undergo any persecution. Wow, you really gotta, you've got to really ignore a whole lot of Bible verses to get that one. Because it says right here, if so be that we suffer with Him that we may be also glorified together. Heirs with God, joint heirs with Christ. 
For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, it's not saying the sufferings are like maybe going to happen. It's saying pretty much it's going to happen to a true born-again believer, which again is another earmark of a believer. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, think not that this fiery trial which is to try you, that it be something, you know. When it talks about that, it's a foregone conclusion. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 So, this is something that says it's going to happen, but again, no, 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 they'll never emphasize that or talk about that. In fact, they go to the opposite extreme and say, no, the sons of God are going to go, they're going to take dominion, they're not going to suffer any persecution, they're just going to, you know, dominate everything and do what Christ couldn't even do. Very unbiblical. We have now returned to the start of the passage because of those dogs who feed on the crumbs of Scripture. We show them the whole loaf. Paul, the genuine apostle, has delivered us a great hope, which he presents as the time when Christ, our head, and us, who are his joint heirs, are glorified together. So without our head, the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be no manifestation of the sons of God. If you have ears to hear, listen attently. To those who have been deluded into thinking they are the sons of God that are presently manifested, please start at Romans 8, verse 15, and try to understand the subject matter under discussion. The resurrection and the redemption of the church. Oh, that's that's another article they reference. And to read the end of the chapter to see the entire context, which has nothing whatsoever to do with Christ's return from the wilderness, but Christ's return from heaven. But if you still cannot repent, then you are believing some other gospel, which will ultimately destroy you. To those who say the Son of Man has already returned, what hope then do you really have? Romans... 7, 24, and 25 says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, this isn't a license to sin, but this was what Paul was feeling about himself. And I can probably relate to that verse in the Bible about as much as any other verse. But, this is another gospel, and we've, we've looked at this in totality. Just look at the quotes from these supposed apostles and prophets that are teaching this. I mean, just the the unbelievable blasphemy and heresy that's being set forth this day in regard to this teaching. We're going to delve into this a lot further uh, next week, bare minimum. I don't know how long this is going to end up going. I think it's a very important teaching because this dominionism teaching, which really, I remember when I first got saved, I really didn't even hear about this at all. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't there. But it's grown and grown and grown because it appeals to a lot of people. Hey, we're not going to really go through, you know, if you're one of these sons of God, you're not going to suffer persecution. You're going to be as gods. You're going to be able to, to heal and do this and that. You're going to have this preeminent position. In fact, you're going you're gonna to do things Jesus Christ, you know, couldn't do. In fact, he's going to be dependent on us. It really tickles the ears. And this is one of the reasons why it's becoming so popular. Tickles your ears. You feel great. You know, hey, look at me. I'm so special. And it's all about pride. So that's all I have for today. And I'll go ahead and we'll close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. We humbly come before you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Lord God, that you would forgive us from any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, or form. 
you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. I do pray, God, that thy kingdom would come, but I pray, God, it would be done, and we know it will be, in a biblical way, that your fear, Lord God, would be upon these people that are deceived and that are deceiving others in the name of Jesus Christ, and that that fear would drive them to repentance. And if it be possible, I pray, God, their souls would be saved. For you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, their eyes would be opened. And, Lord God, at bare minimum, if these people are appointed to wrath, and they are just of their father, the devil, and they are appointed to this destruction, they are vessels fitted for, for God's wrath, I pray, God, that they're not permitted to take other people to hell with them in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, you do whatever it takes to make this happen in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that, that your name be glorified, that many would be saved, that you would use the, body, the true body of Christ mightily for your glory, Lord. But in a biblical way, Lord, not in these deceiving ways, that we would trust in the word of the Lord, that we would strengthen our faith, and that we would find our refuge in the word of God, and not in any man, or any denomination, or any dogma. We praise you, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness and mercy, for saving our souls, Father God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.